Maxim was an old friend, someone with whom Liliana had grown up. Strangely, it seemed everyone reared in Kiev, a city of three million, knew everyone else. They shared the same friends from school, the neighbors knew him, and most of his family knew her. However, it wasn't until university that Maxim had noticed her. With his degree, Maxim received a job at a computer business that created computer applications for construction companies, yet he cared little for the science. Although he was dedicated to the industry, frankly, computers interested him, as might a toy interest a child, an object to manipulate. Yet he wanted to move ahead and seemed a natural for finding standing in the company. For the past week, he had visited Liliana at her work on three different occasions. The first one had to do with his company's business, but the others were his preference. Do you remember Stanislav? He asked Liliana on his second visit. He had invited himself, although she was working, and stayed a half hour. Uh, yes, um, Stanislav, who? Stanislav Somlini. He had that aunt who came from Belarus, he answered, always going on about how she hated mutton stew. Oh yes, Liliana laughed. It was funny then, but what about him? He enrolled in the army, doing his mandatory service, but they say they might get rid of him. Something about shouting at his superiors, or climbing a tree from which he could not get down, and I think wetting his bed at night. That's not true, Liliana said, disagreeing even though she had no facts. Still, she snickered at the thought. Maxim's presence at work was an irritant, and Liliana's supervisor offered more than a cross eye at his recent appearance. You'll get me fired, she scolded in a hushed tone as Maxim continued his irrelevant report of Stanislav Somleni. Even though the account about the soldier who would not come down from the tree made gossip headlines, Liliana thought it was too personal to be legitimate. Furthermore, she cared less how Stanislav had chosen to resolve his military issues. However, without skipping a beat, Maxim puffed his cheeks out to taunt her solemnity. On his third visit to her office, again with no invitation other than Maxim's own, Liliana had to pay collateral damage as her supervisor demanded an explanation for Maxim's interruptions. Liliana explained she had shown no necessity for his presence or prolonged visit. He had merely appeared and left at his own choosing. Maxim had another girlfriend, perhaps two, but Liliana did not know or care. However, Mrs. Vasilenko was eager to have a son-in-law in the house as Mr. Vasilenko had passed away six years ago. Regardless of her daughter's wishes, Liliana's mother had suggested that Liliana found him attractive, an outright appalling lie and the real impetus for his third trip. Furthermore, as her house was too much work for her, she wished for help. Also, she wished for grandchildren, like the other women in her circle. While her daughter did not see it, Mrs. Vasilenko remarked Liliana, marriageable in age, was developing into a beautiful woman. As for Maxim, he saw Mrs. Vasilenko's desire for a son-in-law as an opportunity to make inroads into Liliana's affections. The Vasilenko house was quite large, located ideally in Novobilci, a residential area around 10 to 20 minutes from an ice rink sport complex with economic prospects, a track stadium, 
and the railway sports complex. The home, with its extra rooms and size, could easily become a passive source of income from traveling sports fans. After all, Maxim himself was a sports fanatic, perhaps the thing he most wanted in life if he had bothered to weigh out his interest. If he eventually owned the home, serendipity would drop three godsons into his lap. Mrs. Vasilenko, who would wait on him, Liliana, whom he believed would ultimately adore him, and last, passive income for life. To Liliana, what Maxim said was of no consequence, yet to Maxim, as he falsely believed Liliana wished him to win her affections, her indifference was a challenge, a pursuit, as it were. After all, he believed, who else would know better than Liliana's own mother? As a follow-up visit to his office in position, Maxim stopped by to briefly visit Liliana at her mother's home in Novobilchi, outside the larger city. Though the three sat in the same room, Maxim and Mrs. Vasilenko formed a silent pact through darting eyes and restrained smiles. It was too much for Liliana. Later that evening, Liliana complained to her mother about Maxim's visit to her workplace, but all she received from Mrs. Vasilenko was a specious argument about Maxim's good character to make time for her. The next day, Liliana overheard her mother talking to someone in their kitchen, a conversation of general agreement and slight laughter. She peeked in where the door was ajar and spied her mother and Maxim engaged in harmless hearsay. Before Maxim, Mrs. Vasilenko had placed a plate of salami, fruit, and cheese, a freshly prepared bribe to convince Maxim to plant several small hedges she had recently purchased. Maxim was willing but only if he received Liliana's help. The odor of conspiracy stank, and Liliana slid away to seek out the solitary coolness of her room. Another storm approached Kiev and surprised the city. People in the choked streets dashed about in the mounting humidity to finish errands before the soaking. Peter could smell the rain far away in the rising winds. Liliana was late. She had agreed to meet Peter for lunch, an impromptu meeting, time made vacant given recent cancellations in both of their appointment books. Peter sat outside under the broad umbrella at a restaurant near Liliana's office, a spot he knew she enjoyed. He had walked blocks to save her the time and effort. Yet his pick of outside venues seemed, at present, ill-chosen, for the rain would drench both. Still, he did not wish to go inside the small shop and sit amid the crowded tables. He had wanted her to himself for the sake of their conversation. He knew she still felt some discomfort in speaking English. Besides, others in the cafe would start eavesdropping as his Americanism stood out. Liliana soon arrived. To their mutual satisfaction, they ordered tea and small meat pastries, which the shopkeeper, Dmitro Matvichuk, exclusively sold. It was enough to make them smile when it arrived fresh and hot. How's your mother? Peter began, not knowing that the subject was recently a sore one. Liliana had not directly spoken of her conflict, but merely alluded to it. Peter assumed that Liliana had patched up their rift and moved on. 
She had not. Indeed, the matter was worse. Oh, she's fine, which was not what Liliana wished to say, but it was impolite to complain right off the start. Well, how are your studies going? Peter continued. Peter always asked the same questions as his way to start their time together, and Liliana deferred to Peter's habit. However, on this occasion, she launched into a tale of office woes. The regional manager, on his recent visit, caught a particular girl and her supervisor kissing in the copy machine room. The tasteless mishap was more than the office could stand, and gossip blazed like wildfire. In Peter's ears, the story was humorous enough to chortle. Liliana, however, was less amused, even though she was the one telling the tale. The atmosphere grew thick with moisture, and rain started to pepper their canvas shelter. Mr. Matyachuk, the owner, came out to ask if they wanted inside, but Peter and Liliana refused, smiling in return for his consideration. Mr. Matyachuk, in his late fifties, had made Liliana's acquaintance a year ago when she started to frequent his shop from her worksite. Indeed, he genuinely admired her, and if he had had a daughter, he would have wanted her to be like Liliana. She seemed to hold respectable company, too. He also liked Peter, though he was a foreigner. Pleased with his attempt at hospitality, Dimitro politely went inside, but took a moment to tease her in Ukrainian about the idiotic American who would sit in the rain. You're going to catch his crazy disease, he wagged his finger, smiled, and returned inside. She did not translate his statement, but Peter remained curious. When the rain started, drips from the leaking canvas fell into Liliana's coffee cup and splashed brown dots on their white tabletop. Beads of moisture hung on Liliana's auburn hair, making her natural curls larger and more pronounced. Peter did not notice, for he could not take his eyes off her face. She was all to him now. He tried not to stare. A careless rain droplet stopped upon her cheek, and Peter instinctively reached out to gather it up. As her face was close to his under the canvas awning, huddled as they were for protection, he did not think to ask. Rather, he only acted. His finger rose ever so slightly to blot the drop, and accidentally touched her skin. For Liliana, his touch sent an ache through her body. From the past weeks, their conversations had drawn her into Peter, his mind, his mood, his smile, his beaming teeth, striking nose and deep voice had engulfed her. Each aspect wasn't especially attractive, but putting it all together, she considered him agreeably handsome. When they weren't together, she was elated when she thought of him. Indeed, the unexpected but fortuitous possibility to spend an hour together had renewed her. She desired to hear more of his travels, his work, or frankly anything that would give him reason to talk. Spellbound, she felt she could listen to his voice all day, a mellow tone which resonated deep from inside his chest. His accent was American Midwestern, which sounded like the U.S. news reporters she had heard on the television. When his hand drew close to her face and slightly touched her skin, she nearly stopped breathing. His touch amplified the tiny droplet as electricity hurried through her cheek, down her neck, and through her shoulders to her chest. She did not expect such sensation. Her eyes lit up. She looked at him for a split second, as if to say, What are you doing? Don't stop doing it. 
New color rose in her skin as blood rushed upwards, and her lips slightly parted in a quick, short breath. At first, Peter did not know what had happened. Unintentionally, he had touched her intimately, for the first time. He did not touch her hand or arm. It was her face. Few words come close to defining the sensation. Indeed, touch is a poor word, limited by a mathematical proximity of space and perhaps time, emotionless like distance or measurement. Yet he touched her face, as one might touch a cord. One can caress a hand, finger a lock, palm a shoulder, but a face? How does one touch a face? The change in her eyes was clearly palpable. He felt her momentarily stop breathing, if only an instant. They finished their conversation shortly after the rain let up, and Liliana's work called her. She smiled warmly at Peter and asked if he had enjoyed their lunch. Peter deftly found numerous reasons to praise not only the food and service, but Liliana's taste in her selection. What he really wished, though, was to extol her charm, agreeable demeanor, and willingness to make time for him. He did not, however, for he remained unsure of her interest in him and his unsettled life in Kiev, a temporary assignment. Adding to his insecurity was his announcement, which he had omitted telling her, as he feared spoiling their date. Next week, he was bound to Turkey for a three-week hiatus to meet with several regional experts on a newly developed restructuring plan and how those policies would impact his work. It was going to be a long three weeks.